Well, I have to say thank you to Susie for reading the scriptures to us, first of all. Um, has Susie gone out now? Yeah, she has. Wasn't that brilliant? I thought it was brilliant. I, I was glad. Um, I, it wasn't my job to read today. Uh, that was a marathon, wasn't it? Uh, well, we're looking at those two chapters, and you'll be pleased to know we're not going to be looking at every detail of those two chapters. Uh, we could be here a very long time. Uh, I just want to pick out three key things today from these chapters that I think are very relevant for us if we are Christians. And there's something here that's very relevant if you're not a Christian. You know, if, if you're someone who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, then there's something in these chapters that I think is very, very encouraging. Uh, just to recap where we've come with this book of Ezra, we're going through week by week. Uh, the first three chapters, uh, we saw this uh, wonderful situation where the, the Jewish people, the children of Israel, were captives in Babylon. And God moves this foreign king, Cyrus, to um, instruct the Jews to go back to Jerusalem and to build a temple for God. And more than that, this is absolutely staggering to me, what this king did was he gave them all the temple gold that had been captured from Jerusalem in the first place. He took all the gold and the silver and he gave it to the Jews to go back with um, to help to build their temple of God. And the Israelites that went back, went back absolutely loaded because in the providence and goodness of God the, the, the people that were friends and neighbours to the Jews gave them loads of gifts. It was an amazing situation. Can you imagine how these Jews went back? We read in Babylon according to the Psalms they didn't want to sing songs to God because they were so depressed about being captives. But now they're going back they're absolutely loaded and they've got the king's instructions to go and build this temple. And they get back and that's what they start doing. And uh, we read in chapter uh, 3 after they got back um, and there's nearly 50,000 people go back. They start, they build the furniture, they sacrifice to God and then they lay the foundation of the temple. And this is so good, isn't it? Absolutely brilliant. Except, of course, something went wrong. They had some opposition. And in fact, chapter 4 gives us a whole list of opposition that comes. This opposition in chapter 4 isn't just when they're building the temple. It came later as well. And in fact, it covers a period of over 90 years, probably nearly 100 years, chapter 4 does. Um, but they get this opposition and they are stopped in their tracks from building. And if you were a Jew there, what would you think? You're there to build, you've got started, and then you're stopped in your tracks. And in fact, if you read chapter 4, you can read verses uh, 1 to 5. And then read the last verse, 
of chapter 4, and that's the flow. When the work stops, we end chapter 4 with these words, Thus the work on the house of God in Jerusalem came to a standstill until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. And in chapter 5, where we are today, in verse 1 and 2, we find the work starts again. Isn't that simple? It stops at the end of chapter 4, and in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, the work starts again. Simple. Except it's not. Why? Uh, when Ben started this series with us, he called this um, a DIY SOS for the, for the Jews, really. He likened it to a DIY SOS project going back to Jerusalem. And uh, I like that analogy, Ben. I think that is a good picture of what's going on. Have you ever heard the expression, um, a bad workman always blames his tools? Yeah? Perhaps you have actually said it. Actually, you know, there is some truth in that, but do you know a good workman needs good tools? A good workman can't really do the job with bad tools, you know. And in these chapters, I think God gives us some tools for temple building. Or, I'd like to change the analogy slightly and talk about making a cake. How many of you make cakes? Oh, there's a few men doing this and a few men doing this. Anyone ever made a cake and missed the sugar out? I know, I know that's happened. It doesn't taste very nice. You need the right ingredients. I want to suggest to you that God gives us in these chapters three ingredients which are critical for temple building. And if you miss one of these ingredients out, the temple building doesn't work quite the same. Three ingredients, three things that we need. So, what's wrong with Ezra 5, verse 1? Well, the problem is this. When they went back to rebuild the temple, that was 536 B.C., But verse 1 of chapter 5 starts, in fact, in the second year of the reign of King Darius. And uh, I've put the, the reading from Haggai in your notes. Because this is what it says in Haggai chapter 1, verse 1. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. The problem with this is, this isn't 536 BC. This is 520 BC. 16 years 
since they were last building. They stopped. And they stopped big time. 16 years. They were not building God's house. And in fact, Haggai tells us, verse 2 of that chapter, this is what the Lord Almighty says, these people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while this house remains a ruin? For 16 years, the work stopped. But don't think the people weren't busy. They were busy, well and truly. But they weren't building God's house. They were building their own houses. I like what he says. He says, panelled houses. Anyone like decorating? Well, I think the Jews did. Got a volunteer at the back there if you want some decorating done. The Jews were into decorating big time. And their houses were very nice. And for 16 years, they were not building God's house. 16 years. And the people had all sorts of reasons for not building. They said, well, it's not ready. It's the time's not yet. You know, in Camborne here, we are building in terms of God's temple and God's church. You know, that's what Christians are about. We're all building. Whether we like it or not, we're building. And the question is, and the title I put on this, is the priorities the people had. What's the first ingredient that we need if we're going to build God's temple? If you're going to be useful for God, if I'm going to be useful, the first thing must be we have to sort our priorities out. And God's people can be very busy. We all know about being busy, don't we? But are we busy in God's work? I think we're like governments, you know. People are like governments. You know, it always amazes me. Governments haven't got time or money for certain things. And yet, suddenly, something happens and they can find money for bombs and weapons and missiles and where that money comes from, I have no idea. It seems to me that governments can afford what they want to. And it seems to me that we are just the same. We can find the time and the money for the things that we want to do. That's true of me. And whatever, in a sense, I want to do, I can justify it. Is that true of you? And the fact is, the Jews in these 16 years suffered, because if you go on in chapter 1 of Haggai, and I put it in your notes, the whole reading. They suffered in terms of money, in terms of food, in terms of clothing, right? In terms of success in what they were doing, God touched them. They suffered. 
They struggled in their lives because their priorities were wrong. You see, people have always wanted money and clothing and food. They're the basics. Do you know what Jesus said? He said, seek first the kingdom of heaven. He said, all the nations are seeking food and clothing and all these things. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. They'll be given to you. It's about priorities. It's about my priorities. It's about your priorities. And the fact is, we all have a choice. We all have a choice. And we always have a choice. It's a question of what comes first. Is it God's house? Is it God's building? And I'm talking spiritually here, you know that. I'm not talking bricks and mortar. Is it the things of God that come first? Or is it your things? And the building here stopped in Ezra because people had got the wrong priorities. They said, well, it's not time for me to get involved in that church stuff. It's not time for me to be giving up time to be building now. I've got stuff to do. I'm busy. I'm a busy man. We have a choice. And I think this is where temple building starts. It starts with the people of God saying, I want to serve God. I want to live for the Lord. I want God to be my priority. And if we don't have this, you cannot get the temple built, folks. That's crystal clear, isn't it? If there wasn't a change here, nothing would have happened. The temple would not have been finished. Do you understand this? If we want blessing in Camborne, and we want people to be rescued and saved, it starts with us. It starts with us putting ourselves on the line, being available and saying, Lord, we want you to come first in our lives. But these are the people of God. These are the people of God. They've been discouraged. They've lost their way. What's going to get them back on track? What gets us back on track? Well, verse 1 tells us, God is very gracious and he sends them Haggai and Zechariah. And uh, Haggai comes with this word of the Lord. Uh, Haggai's prophecy, I think, only has 38 verses. And I'm not sure the exact number. I think it's about 26 times the phrase, the word of the Lord, comes in those 38 verses. What's going to get people back? It's the preaching of the word of God. Haggai comes with this message and he rebukes the people. Haggai 1 verse 3. The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while this house remains a ruin? 
Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Think about it. Consider your ways. You've planted much. You've harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have you your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house. The preaching of God's word is so important for getting the temple built. And the preaching of God's word here is so important if we're going to see God build his church in Camborne or anywhere. This word, what is it? Well, it's what we don't like. It's being told off. Do you like being told off? I wonder how many of you get told off. Husbands and wives. Well, we know children get told off. It's a word of rebuke. It's a word to stop people in their tracks. Think about what you're doing, God says. Consider your ways. Take careful thought. But it's not just a word of rebuke. It's also a word of encouragement. Well, think about it. And then he says, God says, well, get on with it. Go up and to the hills and chop the wood down and get the timber and get what you need and get on with the job. And in fact, in Ezra, chapter 5, um, we, we have these lovely words um, in verse 2. The end of the verse. The prophets of God, Haggai and Zechariah, were with them, supporting them. They weren't just there beating them with a big stick. They were there saying, hang on, okay, we've messed up. Let's sort it out. Let's get the priorities right. Let's get on with the job. And when you get to chapter 6 and verse 14, a most important verse. Some people say this is the most important verse in the book. The elders of the Jews continue to build and prosper under the preaching of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah. The preaching was so important to encouraging these people to get on with this work. And the preaching of the gospel is critical to us. The good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. I put a couple of quotes in your notes from Warren Wearsby that I came across. He said this, If we want to know... Uh, the power of God. We must know the word of God, he says. And he says any work that isn't work of God that isn't built on the word of God will not prosper. That's why the teaching of God's word is so important. And hearing the good news of the gospel is so important. It's essential. And you can't have a church that doesn't have the Bible in the centre you've got a church that doesn't stick to this book and doesn't preach this book you're going nowhere 
It's the preaching of God's word that's so important, which is why it takes a key place here in what we do. The word of God is what God uses to get his work done in the hearts of his people. Hebrews tells us this, the word of God is living (coughs) and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I like this. It's about, it's like a knife. It's like something that sticks in. It's something that pricks us. It's something that touches us. It's something that divides and makes things clear to us. Have you been touched by the word of God? Do you know what I mean when I'm saying that this is a word that cuts to the heart? Do you remember when Peter preached at Pentecost? It says people were cut to the heart. We need this. We should be praying for this. That God's word wouldn't just be preached. You know when Spurgeon preached in London at the end of the 19th century, people went to listen to him as an entertainment. He was such a brilliant preacher. But I hope you don't come here for entertainment. You're going to be jolly disappointed, aren't you, this morning? We need to come because we want to hear God's word. We want to hear God's voice. And we want God's word to touch us and to change us. And the wonderful thing is, Paul says, this preaching of the gospel is a powerful word that can bring down strongholds. And it's only the power of the gospel that can rescue people. If you're a Christian, you know that. The only hope for Camborne isn't a church. It's the word of God. It's the gospel. If we have this place full Packed to the seams, but we're not preaching the gospel. What point is it? We need to see people brought from darkness into light. We want people rescued. It's only this word that will do it. And the wonderful thing here is when Haggai and Zachariah preached, the people responded. They responded. Because they changed, they repented. They were obedient. They started to build again. That's what verse 2 says of chapter 5. They set to work to rebuild the house of God in Jerusalem. They were obedient and they were serving God. And if we're obedient, it will show him what we do. Just as it did with these people. You could see the difference if you were there, couldn't you? Because one minute they're decorating their bedroom, the next minute they're on the temple site building. It was all change. They were also obedient in this sense. You know, they're challenged in verse 3 and 4. These people come along and said, Who said you could do this? Now, I don't know the intonation in the the voice of these people. But I've got a feeling this wasn't very pleasant. Who said you could do this? And and what are the names of the people doing this? You know, whenever people are asking, 
who are the names, you, you sort of smell a rat, don't you? What are their motives? What encourages me about these people is they weren't just obedient in doing the job, but they had integrity in how they answered. Don't you find their answer to these people most courteous? They explained. They were very gracious, it seems to me, in their answer. They were very respectful. They were very honest. They said, actually, we got all carted away because we messed up. They were honest and truthful. I wonder how you respond when you are challenged by authorities. Now, I, I have to be honest, I see things on the news and it makes my blood boil. New laws that are being done and new ideas that people have got to restrict uh, certain things. And, um, and I find I react to people. It's very interesting, their reaction here. This challenges me. How we respond to authority is really important. Paul says in Romans 13, let everybody be subject to the governing authorities. Because it's God's authority. Uh, Paul says this to the Colossians, walk in wisdom towards outsiders. The way we deal with people outside, you know, is really important when we're temple building. The way we respond is so important. Paul says the same to the Thessalonians. He says, walk properly before outsiders. Peter says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honourable. So when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. See, how we react says so much about us. And if we're serious about temple building, we need to make sure that not just our actions are right, but also our words. So, if we're going to build God's temple, <coughs> there are two things we need. We need the right priorities, personally and individually. You need them, I need them. The second thing we need is the preaching of God's word. Because it's through this preaching that God will rescue people and save them and bring them into his kingdom. But actually, there's still a third thing we need. Because we might have those two ingredients, but there's something else. And actually, we're not in control of this one. Because this is about the providence of God. We need to have godly priorities. We need God's word being preached. But we need God to act in his mercy, in his grace, to make it all happen. And what Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, uh, I planted, Apollos watered. But actually that wasn't enough. He said, God gave the increase. And the psalmist said, didn't he, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labour in vain that build it. Brothers and sisters, Christ's church is not our church. 
Christ's church is not our work. Christ's church is God's church. This work is God's work. We can't do it. The more we know that we can't do it, the better. But we have to trust the God who can. We need the Lord to build the house. And he will use people that have their priorities sorted. He'll use people where the word of God is being preached and proclaimed. But we need God to act. And what's encouraging is, God has already acted here, back in Ezra 1. God did the most incredible thing. Isn't it strange the work stopped? You think, why did God allow that? Stopped for 16 years. How would we feel if our work stops? There will be opposition for Christians meeting in schools in the future, you know. There will be. I can see not far off when Christians won't be able to meet in schools or public places like this. Is God not in control if that happens? No, our God is in control. We just need to keep the right priorities. We just need to make sure we don't get sidetracked. We need to make sure we keep preaching the gospel. And we have to trust God to get us through this. And wonderfully, in chapter 5, when people come and say, who said you could do this? And what are your names? The people don't panic. They just respond in a gracious, courteous way. And in fact, God's hand was upon them. Verse 5 of chapter 5. The eye of their God was watching over the elders of the Jews. They were not stopped until a report could go to Darius. And they have to wait. And they have to keep on working. But they're waiting. And I wonder what they were thinking while they were waiting. It's easier to talk about trusting God, you know, but when the chips are down, it's another thing. They're waiting. What's the response going to be? Well, the response is amazing. And in fact, Zechariah, there's two verses in Zechariah which are very helpful because Zechariah was preaching here at this time. Zechariah in chapter 4, we're told this, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And, uh, and then there was a promise just after that. Zechariah says, the word of the Lord came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house and his hands will finish it. They were preaching the word of God, encouraging the people, trust God, God's going to get this job done. And what does God do? In chapter 6, King Darius finds the decree that Cyrus made. It was all true what the Jews said. Cyrus did instruct it. Darius then gives three instructions. Verse 7 of chapter (laughs) 6. I love this. I don't know what these people thought that were asking the questions and sent the letter off. This is the message come back. Do not interfere with this work. Get your hands off it. 
Leave this alone. Leave it alone. Then verse 8. I hereby decree, Darius says, what you are to do for these elders of the Jews in the construction of this house of God. Their expenses are to be fully paid out of the royal treasury. <laughs> Isn't this fantastic? God says, not only are you not going to stop this work, you're going to pay for it. In Donald Trump's words, it would be, not only is this wall going to be built, but you're going to pay for it. Verse 9 and 10. Whatever is needed, whatever is needed, must be given them daily without fail. So that they may offer sacrifices pleasing to the God of heaven and pray for the well-being of the king. If God is for us, brothers and sisters, who can be against us? And do you know, the last thing that he says, verse 11, he says, I decree, if anyone defies this, a beam is to be pulled from their house there to be impaled on it. And for this crime, their house is to be made a pile of rubble. Proverbs says, the king's heart is like a stream of water which God turns wherever he wants. And our confidence in building God's work here isn't in our abilities. It's not in our skills. It's not how clever we are. It's not how good we are at things. It's nothing of that at all. It's about God moving in the hearts of people and changing people and getting his word and applying that and changing people's lives. So God's work will go on. And when we get to the difficult bits, things that look impossible in some ways, we must make sure, make sure we keep the right priorities. We keep trusting God. And that we keep doing the right things, knowing that God alone is Lord of the harvest. Just as Paul says in Ephesians 3, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think, nothing can stop the work of God. The biggest hindrance to the work of God isn't opposition. It's God's people being discouraged and losing their way and losing their priorities. So let's be encouraged. Knowing that what we're about is God's work. And let's be encouraged when we look back, not just Ezra, but all these people in the Old Testament, they all had difficulties. But they looked to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we must keep doing the same thing. I want to just end with a little, a little word of invitation because I love how chapter 6 ends. Because they did get the temple built. It took them another five years. But they did it. It was a big job. This was not a five minute job. 
brothers and sisters, and sisters what we're involved here is not a five-minute job, you do know that. We're here for the longer term. That's the, that's the plan. It takes time. But they've they got the job done. And right at the end, when they've got this done, they celebrated the Passover. They celebrated the feast. And, and uh, the priests sanctified themselves. And they, and they had this great, great feast. And, and uh, we're, told we're told this in, in verse 20 of chapter 6. The Levites slaughtered the spells and the land for all the exiles, for their relatives, the priests and all for themselves. So the, so the exiles who had returned to Israel returned to Nick from the exiles to eat it. And this is and the this important is point. To get together with all who had separated themselves from the unclean practices of their Gentile neighbours in order to exalt the Lord, the God of Israel. I love, I love this verse. Do you see? It's part of the Passover for the Jews. Do you think it's part of the Old Testament for the Jewish people? It wasn't. It, wasn't. it, never, it never had been. been. People who never been going to join those slaves to Israel. And if they did it by faith, God welcomed them. The disciples were learning the New Testament. God is no respect persons. But in every nation and those that fear God, God and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, God welcomes and God accepts. And God does forgive gifts. Because the one of one thing is, is pass over the land. land. And you'll know this if you're a Christian. It's just it's a picture, picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. He was he the land that was slain to make, make us acceptable with all with God. God. And the one of one thing, thing is, is, the invitation is, it's for it's anyone, anyone who wants to come and come to the Lord. God says, you seek me, and you'll find and me when you see the glory of your heart. Perhaps there's someone here this morning that's not a Christian. Don't think what I've said this morning isn't for you. The God is for everyone who will repent of their sins and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Passover, and God, God freely gives everyone who comes. And trust in him. I praise God that I can say today, today the Lord Jesus is my, my Passover lamb. Can you say that? Is it your, your Passover lamb? So let's be encouraged. Let's, let's look, look to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's sort our priorities out. I find this challenging. I read Haggai my house my fits that order. order. I've got a I've very got nice house, house, thank you very much. Very much. Nothing wrong with having a nice house, house in a while. The challenge is where our heart is. is. And God says, God says, I want you to make me first. first. I want you I to want put me first. Me first. And let's be encouraged to prioritise God. Preach the word. And trust in God's providence. And let's build. And build for his glory. Amen. Amen. We're going to have.